Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. Uh, thanks to the Ruminations for another great show highlighting issues around rooming houses and homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill, and for the next hour, my guest will be sharing his journey of recovery from active alcoholism. I'd like to welcome Luke to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Yeah, g'day, Bill. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, Luke's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and he's going to share his experience with alcoholism and how AA has helped. Um, now, look, we usually start with talking about what it was like when you were a kid and, and when you first okay. sort of understood that you were a little bit different and, um, that, and that sort of process leads to you know, drinking and stuff like that. So when did you think that things, you're a bit different to other people? Um, probably uh, from relatively young, probably from before I even had a drink. Um, I, like I remember just being in year five and not being, not thinking that I would be able to cope with doing year seven, doing year eight, doing year nine, 12, all the, the amount of work and stuff like that it would be too hard for me. But, you know, going through those things, it was fine essentially. But, you know, I looked on things as being difficult, you know, and uh, stressful, you know, even from a little, being a young kid, probably not the sort of thing young kids are thinking about, stressing about homework in year 12 when they're much younger than that yeah so when we were first introduced to alcohol um we had um we had there was alcoholism in my family not not my parents but um so my parents tried to desensitize me to to alcohol by um, giving me a sip of wine or beer every now and then at parties and uh, I always hated the taste of it actually and never wanted to do that. I think they just wanted me to, when I started drinking that I wouldn't go crazy. And, um, unfortunately their best laid plans didn't really work out, but, um, this, yeah, but anyway, so they, so I was introduced probably, you know, pretty young. Um, but, um, yeah, it wasn't until I, you know, had my first drunk that, you know, when I was 14 that things changed. So how did that happen? So I went. I went to a pretty social school, and, and um, a big group of, of kids went to uh, Pushover, which was an all ages gig at uh, the exhibition buildings in Carlton. Uh, so in the early nineties, and um, so a few of the older kids got some um, slabs of beer, and we shared it between a, a large bunch of us. And I probably only had two, three, or four beers, and I just remember thinking, "This is awesome!" Like can't wait to be doing this again next week and it was sun sun was shining and we were everyone was running around in the gardens at uh at the exhibition buildings and i just uh yeah i remember thinking we'll be doing this again next week and you know we were essentially you know yeah. so did do you think it it made you feel less anxious was that what, what was yeah, the yeah I, I don't i kind of t- hard to put your finger on but there was a certain amount of freeing you know, a certain amount of freedom involved in a bottle of beer or whatever you yeah. know and um so there's a bit of relief and i don't even know to be honest like even now thinking about alcohol what does it bring you i just know i love it you know and um <laughs> and um so yeah i just couldn't wait for that feeling you know it was elusive what the actual feeling is but it was it, yeah. was, it was good okay 
So, um, what about your home life, though? Was that did you feel you had a good, good upbringing, good home life? Yeah, I did. I, you know, um, parents are loving. We um, pretty were well taken care of. You know, um, were, parents were supportive of anything we kind of wanted to do. Um, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, didn't yeah. was and felt anxiety about these things. But um, you know, we're pretty as far as home lives go. It was pretty. I was pretty lucky, realistically, yeah. yeah. So when did things start to change then? Um, look, I started to, my later years at high school, I started to get depressed. Um, I was still only, you know, my drinking in those days was, you know, I drank to get drunk, but that was really, it was only on Saturday nights, essentially. One weekend, one night of a weekend, drink to excess and wouldn't drink on any other days. But I was starting to feel depressed and, um, I don't really even know why, and that, you know, it was so long ago now, but yeah. yeah, so that, so, you know, life was having an effect on me, I suppose you could say, my, you know, way of looking at things, the anxiety that I had, you know. Yeah. Were you successful at school? Um, yes, I sp- well, relatively, like I was a prefect at my school and I was a house captain. Um, well, that's a pretty good measure of yeah, yeah. Like my, you know, I was respected for some reason. Um, I was very friendly. Um, you know, I had a, always had a was cheerful, I suppose. And but um, I suppose inside, I was, I you know, there was another side. So I was highly strung on the inside and and afraid. But um, yeah, I try to you know you know put on a good face. But, um, yeah, so, but I had struggled, like I did, got 75 maybe out of 100 for the VCR or whatever, but, um, yeah, I was really struggling by the end, yeah, to yeah. just get things done. So, yeah, I think you said to earlier that, um, before the show, that year 12 was a real struggle. Yep. Yeah. So what sort of things? So I just, I really stopped doing my homework, essentially, and, and it's sort of kind of given up. Um, so, um, felt sort of didn't have a lot of hope for the future and um i um stopped doing my yeah stopped doing my homework had to stay after class and um sit in the assistant principal's office and do homework because i wasn't getting my homework done and because i was a prefect so i had to (laughs) appear to be doing the right thing so they tie the line so they yeah they really tried um so yeah you know um i i got it done but wasn't as good as it could have been done yeah yeah. Okay. So I, I expect you went to uni. I did it. So I got into uni and went with a couple of friends and and um, but you know drinking. Once you left school, I started drinking on all the uni nights and um, which is almost every night. You know, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe some things on the other days. And and um, around that time, so schoolwork wasn't a priority and. Um, and I started doing dance parties and things like that, and that brought me in contact with other drugs. Like started smoking marijuana, which I started smoking every day, um, and that probably got me into the habit of um, self-medicating every day. You know, so right. having something to ease my mood. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I suppose you know, and it got me in the habit of sharp things out in the real world and, you know, a drink or a drug is going to help me smooth out those sharp edges. So, yeah. Soften the blow. Soften the blow of reality. <laughs> right. 
Um, so what was your social life like then? Yeah, well, like large. Like I had lots of groups of friends. I had a girlfriend um, and had um, – would just constantly on the phone, constantly going to see people, constantly out partying. Um, yeah, and so, the, you know, the consequences of everything hadn't kind of caught up with me. I, I generally, when I did drink, I, you know, drank, you know, to get drunk. Not to get obliterated, but to get drunk. And, um, yeah, so I was still able to kind of function as a normal person, for want of a better word. And yeah. uni wasn't really going, I was struggling. Uni, like, after the first year, I, I quit uni. And then had a year off and then tried something else. Had a year off and tried something else. So I was a bit, um, wasn't able to kind of keep the those those things going. Um, work was, I was just, I was working at Bunnings and I was pretty unreliable, you know. Um, it still turned up but was sort of late or hung over regularly. Um, but it still managed to last for a few years. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you realise you had a problem? Yeah, I think from my early twenties, um, alcohol as the there was you know alcoholism in my family, not my no parents, but other people in the family. There was alcoholism, so I was aware of it being the possibility of it being an issue. So from an early age, I thought that I might have a problem. So in my early twenties, for sure, and I didn't know what alcoholism was exactly, but I thought it was probably what was going on for me, and um, so I. Yeah, I, I had from, you know, my early 20s, I was thinking about stopping drinking um, and had the intention of, of stopping drinking. But really, the, the opposite was going on. And I'd started to, I stopped smoking marijuana and um, slowly uh, I started drinking every day. And it's just that it was started as a couple of beers. There were still the uni nights, which were heavy drinking, but the, on the off nights, I was still started off with a couple of beers and, um, and that just gradually increased over the years, you know? And yeah. So, I mean, over the next sort of five years, it went from a couple of beers to every night getting really drunk. Drinking yeah. to get drunk. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and not really knowing why and, and always intending to stop. So it was always my intention to well, not always, you know, yeah. from my mid-twenties, it was like, tomorrow I'm going to get, tomorrow's the last, or today's the last day I'm going to have a drink. Tomorrow I'm going to get sober. Yep. But tonight I can get good and drunk. So I'd buy enough, I'd buy enough booze to drink, to get really drunk that night, but not enough to have, so let's say there was leftovers and um, get drunk and then think, well, that's all, you know, that's good of quit drinking. And then by the next evening, I'd be thinking, oh, well, I'll get drunk tonight. Tomorrow I'll quit, and this sort of went on and on for years, yeah, without realising it. You know, you're kind of constantly thinking, you know, if you hooked me up to a lie detector test, I would have been ready to stop drinking. Not completely, but just yeah. every day was – I understood drinking every day was unhelpful, you know, yeah. for everything. Okay. Um, so it must have been difficult on your relationship. So were you living with a girlfriend or – Yeah, so I was living with my partner then and um, just, I mean, looking back – after you know i did get sober it seemed really strange that i would be um essentially most nights i would drink to get drunk and would pass out 
she'd go to bed um, and I would stay up drinking and then would either pass out or, you know, go to bed and pass out sort of thing. So I just kept completely sozzled every night. And we talked about it a little bit, like, you know, um, I think she wanted, she gave me my space to sort of deal with it. But um, I did try a few things to get sober. One of the things I did was call, um, what did I do? I called Lifeline. And um, <laughs> yeah, they gave me some advice, which wasn't really helpful looking back, but it, it appealed to me a lot at the time. They suggested I should do art and grow that part of the brain that um that you know that that sort of um creativity and that that would kind of counteract my alcoholism and really appealed to me in a bourgeois way want a better world that word that um that that would be helpful so i bought some you know pens and papers and textures and um pencils and started drawing for one night so I did that for one night and I've still got some of those textures and pencils and stuff like that but I was drinking the next night and it but it you know like did that guy sell me up the river you know I I was introduced to re- proper recovery later and I didn't wasn't able to grab it with both hands so I don't I'm not sure at that point in time I would have been able to grasp anything else yeah so yeah. so you, you really didn't understand what alcoholism was I didn't I really didn't have an idea until I got into the well, into rehab and the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that um, uh, what alcoholism is, you know, yeah, the, and the, the size of the problem. Yeah, and, and how it works, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Podcasts of The Living Free Show are available on 3cr.org.au forward slash livingfree and also on iTunes. Uh, other 3CR, 3CR podcasts are available on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. If you have a question or comment about the show, you can call the station on 94198377 or you can send us an email at 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. Um, as, as you know, we're doing a subscriber drive uh, this week and uh, subscribers of the lifeblood providing financial support to keep independent radio stations like 3CR going. That means that Living Free Show can broadcast a message of recovery from 12-step programs for addicts, alcoholics, gamblers and their families and friends. It's all part of our service work. Each week, guests on the Living Free Show volunteer their time to get their message of hope onto the 3CR airwaves. If you enjoy listening to the show live or via the weekly podcasts, then why not keep 3CR afloat by becoming a subscriber. Subscriptions are $35 unwaged or concession, $75 for waged and $150 for solidarity or band. Call us on 94198377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. I'm talking to Luke and we're talking about recovery from alcoholism uh, with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so, Luke, I, I think when we finished before, we were talking about um, the fact that your uncle got sober. So, yep. what, what impact did that have on on him? That was that noticeable? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I suppose uh, I always got along well with my uncle, but uh, he, when he got sober, he started seeing a bit more of my mum, and um, 
And so I just started seeing him around a bit more and, and essentially, yeah, it's obviously, it had a, a positive effect on his life. Um, I think he'd been, I know now uh, he'd been in and out of recovery for quite a while before getting sober. So, um, yeah, so, but, uh, you know, now this was sort of continuous, continuous and, and sort of pretty positive and he spoke to me and he and asked me point blank whether I thought I was an alcoholic and uh yeah I sort of I said there's no doubt about it so you know he just suggested if I wanted to do something you know he he might have some things to help I said okay so one thing he did he took me along to an AA meeting um I didn't really push AA or anything he just um we only went and sat into half the meeting and I think now looking back he was just trying to uh, get me in gently. wasn't trying to um, go gung ho about getting into recovery, and and he didn't sort of say anything more about staying sober, getting sober, or anything like that. He just sort of um, planted the seed, essentially. And a few months later, my drinking had essentially got out of control. I was, um, I ended up living, looking after a house, house sitting, and and I was drinking so much there that. Um, Alcohol essentially stopped working the way I like it to work, and so when alcohol stopped working, I had a problem. So yeah. I called my uncle, and um, so it wasn't that things got so bad; it's when alcohol stopped working. But um, he, I said, you know, alcohol's got the better of me. So what, what do I need to do? And he suggested, a re, you know, rehab. So you know, the next day I called a few places and was was able to get into a, a place a few days later. So yeah, it's not that easy these days. I understand just to get in the next day. No, it was it. Yeah. It, it's it can be a bit of a bit of a problem. So I was pretty lucky. Yeah, I was lucky, yeah. no doubt. Uh, so how did how did you take to rehab? Um, well, it was an eye opener. You know, they they treat you relatively gently, physically, but I suppose the information that's passed on to you wasn't completely to my liking. And you know, part of that was, you know, stopping drinking completely was going to be the preferable way to go forward you know I was still in my heart of hearts hoping that I could just get drunk once a month or twice a month or something like that or weddings and parties and I didn't want to completely stop drinking alcohol wasn't having a positive effect of me and I wanted to get rid of the consequences of drinking you know getting blind every night but I didn't want to necessarily lose the whole life yeah Yeah. exactly i I enjoyed it still you know i still that wasn't actually doing anything good for me but i still you know you know when you're addicted to something you don't realize i mean you know it's not helpful but you still you know it's like it's not that bad yeah yeah. so yeah so i suppose that was a bit of an eye-opener so you know i kind of you understand obviously that's the truth but you not necessarily that excited about hearing the news so you hope hopefully that you're hoping there's some magic rehab dust that they sprinkle on you and you just go forward and do what you want to do without any consequences but it's not the case so yeah <laughs> you um you got this work to be done so so what's life like then in you know the first time you go to rehab you you know you don't really understand what's happening or why it's happening so what's it like um what was it like? It was sort of painful. I mean, um, I'd, I'd been telling myself to stop drinking for so long and then after I got sober, I sort of thought, oh, maybe I just needed to try harder or something like that. So it was being separated. I really needed somewhere to, to get separated from alcohol. And, um, and, you know, I started going 
I was introduced to AA, you know, properly after that, and I started going along to meetings. Um, the circumstances of my life on the exterior changed positively, I suppose. Like I was able to be more reliable at work, and um, um, yeah, and just be more sort of useful in my day to day. But I found that that my emotions sort of went up, you know, without alcohol to kind of help deal with things. Um, you know, I sort of struggled with my emotional nature a little bit and, um, and that was hard. And I probably, and when I, my, when I went into AA, I, I, I sort of kept to myself. I didn't, I listened when I went in there, like identified with people's stories, would chat to people, but didn't want to get too close to anyone. Um, and that's sort of, I'm sort of a bit like that all the time, but, um, so just, uh, try not to look like I was keeping to myself, but that's probably what I tried <laughs> <Yeah>. to do. <laughs> right. Um, so did you give up drugs as well? So I did. I did. I, at, at, um, I probably kept a hope to keep a door open for the occasional taking of pills and things like that, but um, that sort of explains to me that probably wasn't going to work. I mean, you can do anything you want to do, but, you know, what's going to work in, in your life and keep you happy and healthy it's probably two different things and so that was something that's explained that that's probably not going to be lead to a happy and healthy luke so um so I, I i gave those things up at the same time um i'd been after about three months sobriety i'd planned on going on a, to a bucks party and i was going to plan to take pills and coke and all these sorts of things and then i decided not to go at the last minute i thought for passing that test so well i'd have a drink to celebrate so so three months sobriety i celebrated with a drink just plan on doing that for one day and then the next day i found i was compelled to have a drink again and then the next day and then yeah i ended up just doing a detox after that after you know so i just even though in my mind i thought i could just stop um you need yeah once the once you get the taste for it again you you get the taste for it you have to I'm compelled to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So did you drop out of AA at that point? Yeah, look, I had, um, yeah, I I tried going every now and then, but I just didn't, wasn't really, uh, probably wasn't hearing what I needed to hear, which I know is on offer now. Um, Probably wasn't really ready. Um, Yeah, so I, I was going very intermittently and I just thought you got AA three you know, you got well through sitting in, in the seat. Bum on the seat, yeah. So it comes in through your ears and, you know, fills up your whatever and then you walk out and you've got AA and you're kicking goals. But that's I know that's not the case now. I know AA is the work in the book, but um, and the meetings are just a conduit for people to meet up and connect and stuff like that. Well, there's lots of other things, yeah. positive things about a meeting, but um, it's not how you get well. It's just a starting point. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that at the time. Yeah. So I suppose you didn't have a sponsor at that point? No. A few people would give me their numbers and occasionally I would, I, at the start I thought, oh, you know, I didn't. I had those numbers and I knew these people were pretty well people so I had wanted to occasionally give them a call but I felt like I'd be imposing on them and I didn't want to hassle them. So, you know, I didn't call them. So, And I know now that people, yeah, A, most AAs love taking a phone call from a newcomer and, and want to help. You know, yeah, it's part it of really, recovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you, at the start, you just thought you were going to be a hassle. So I, you know, and and so I had these numbers for you know a few months, and yeah, 
didn't make the phone call, didn't, you know, put my hand out and ask for help and didn't know what to ask for, you know, didn't know, didn't, there's the 12 steps on the wall in AA and honestly, I didn't really notice them, you know, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's crazy, isn't it? So all those things are available. We don't always pick them up. It's, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's not that I didn't, I knocked them back. I just didn't even notice them. You know, I just did my awareness level was quite low. Mm. Um, so how long did it take you um, before life became a problem again? So well, within from my first introduction to rehab to when I got uh, sober, sober and into recovery was probably about 15 months. And I got sort of sick through that time to the point where, you know, I didn't think AAL rehabs really had anything to offer me. And oh, I got pretty unwell. My drinking again and got well out of hand and... I was drinking, you know, I sort of thought my drinking would, you know, end my life. I was drinking constantly that by that time and, you know, to 24-7 and and, and uh, ended up speaking to my uncle again and he suggested giving one of his friends a call. I spoke to this man and he suggested doing another rehab and that rehab was pro-AA and it was in there that I learned the things that were going to keep me in good stead for a while, you know. Yeah. Uh, so... So I went into that rehab and um, what did they, what were some basic, so they were pro AA and pro the 12 steps and one of the simple things they did that, that really helped me was they told us, they took us to meetings and they told us to grab some phone numbers and then when we got back to the rehab we could call those people the next day or the next day and I started started that process so I got a few people's numbers and I would call those people and just break down that wall that you had about connecting with people. Yeah, and asking for help, and just made it sort of wouldn't say a game, but just part of you had to tick the box, and then you knew that it wasn't such a big deal to call these people, and they were all you know, you, they all said, "Oh, it's great to hear from you," and you didn't know how real they were being, but you know now that that's how they feel. But um, yeah. I know some of those people, you know, I got to know some of those people later on you know, out of rehab, but um, uh, yeah, so that was that's a simple thing, and just you know, going to meetings and just meeting more people. Um, and hearing about sponsorship and the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and that process. So, and they didn't take us through that, that in rehab, but they just introduced it that this was a way for recovery. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's a lot like pay it forward where you're, you, don't, you don't help the person who helped you, you help the person who, coming after who's, you. who's coming after you. That's right, yeah. And it's a really positive model because... There's always, there's always someone new who's available and needs help. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Um, so, uh, so how long were you sober in AA at that so during that period? Yeah. I was sober for four years and ten months. So, uh, so from when I was sort of thirty-one years old to whatever that is, thirty-six. Thirty-six. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so. And and that, that was really look. It was really good. The first few years, especially, I, I got a sponsor, started working the steps, and and got a relief, got a lot of relief from the things that, um, those rough edges I was talking about. You know, with, um, the fellowship. You know, the people around you, um, just talking to people about every. A lot of people had similar experiences. Some people had different ones, but. They, they, there was other people that they could identify with in the rooms and um, just sort of 
started to realize you're not alone. Um, but yeah, so I was, so while I was doing the recovery bit of recovery, you know, I was going all right. And once I, I suppose my life got a bit too busy, um, got too well, as they say, and I moved into state for some, uh, for, for work. And when I came back into to Melbourne after six months, I didn't do the things that I'd been doing before that had kept me well, which was sponsor home group, step work and stuff like that. And I changed, was, was doing a lot of service, you know, it's trying to be helpful, but wasn't doing the things, you know, for my own personal recovery. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that probably, that started to have a detrimental effect on how I, you know, interacted with the world. So, um, yeah, so gradually over that period, I just started to get, um, yeah, just started to get depressed and wasn't sure how to, how I fit in and just all these exterior things. Um, and now look, looking back on it now, you kind of, there's so many things I could have done, but at the time, you know, you think you're being logical and you think you can work it out by yourself. Um, yeah. You know. So what, what was it like, um, uh, with your relationships, families and friends that during that period? Um, look really positive. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I became a lot more reliable. Um, probably not as reliable as like, you know, as someone who is perfect, but for my, for me, I was like, you know, a million times more reliable, which is, you know, and punctual and, um, more integrity. So things like doing what you say you're going to do, being where you say you're going to be, just sort of simple things like that became a big part of, you know, how I, how I try to live my life every day. Um, because I've, you know, I've, you know, found that just those sort of simple things really have an effect on how you feel about yourself, you know, and, um, um, just, so just doing those esteemable acts, simple esteemable things, you know, can raise your self-esteem. So, You know, and um, I suppose it was more noticeable once I got out of recovery was, you know, some people sort of said, you know, you've changed and um, less, like they said, I don't know, actually, I don't know what the terminology they, certain people use, but they said I was less reliable and less trustworthy, even though I'm like, I'm the same. <laughs> but um, other Trust people me, know. I'm the same, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, I'm talking to Luke about uh, recovery from alcoholism uh, with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, so, Luke, I think we finished up before where you were talking about um, coming back from interstate and um, yep. sort of it being a little bit different. Yeah, I, I had, um, when I came back, I, I didn't join AA uh, the same way that I had been a part of it in the, in the past. So, yeah, I did sort of service, I suppose they sort of say there's three parts to get involved in an AA. There's service, recovery, and the fellowship. And I suppose I was just sort of doing service. So just sort of helping people and using that as my connection and to make me feel good. Um, but I wasn't doing the recovery bit, especially, which, you know, he's going, having a sponsor, being accountable and going through the 12 steps, you know, anymore. I'd sort of slowed that sort of stuff down, even though I try to live on a 
spiritual basis, you know, try to do the, the right thing at all times. I probably just, um, yeah, it just sort of started to fade. And without, without being able to speak to someone, you know, the sponsor who you talk to quite, uh, person, you know, quite can be quite deep. Um, and you're quite accountable to that, that really, I think I really missed that. I thought I could do that in my head. You know, I yeah. can, thought I could do that myself. And <clears throat> as I started to get more unwell, I, I sort of saw other people doing well. And I thought that I, sh- you know, I just started to pretend that I was well rather than that I didn't want to appear like I was getting, you know, depressed or, you know, that I sort of had an expectation of where I should be and, you know, was comparing my my insides with people's outsides so that always dangerous yeah Yeah, it is (laughs) so um and who knows what's going on with other people but you know myself you know and 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 looking back there's so many ways i could have asked for help and i was trying to um yeah just just didn't want to lose face i suppose and gradually yeah it just got sicker and sicker until i you know had a breakdown um you know what did they just said it was a major depressive episode that's what the doctors called it that's pretty good isn't it yeah (laughs) i suppose they would have called it a nervous breakdown in the olden days but i ended up um so i ended up in psychiatric hospital sober you know at four years 10 months sober that's where i was was and and um through you know uh was you know put on medication but i was also yeah one of the things in there is you have PRN medication, which is stuff that you can ask for, they'll give you. And then you know, I started taking that in a way that I thought wasn't the right way. I was taking it when I didn't need it. And, you know, in my head, I I'd, I'd took that as busting. So in my head, I was back at day zero instead of four years, 10 months of sobriety, even though I hadn't didn't have a drink. So mm. when I did get out of hospital, I thought to myself, well, I'm near day zero I should maybe I'll give drink another shake. I knew I'm, I know I'm an alcoholic, but why don't I have a bit of a try of alcohol and then I'll get back into recovery? I've been sober for five years. I know what to do. Yep. I can jump back on any time. So I know how it works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was directing the show. So I, 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 um, so I tried alcohol and it didn't agree with me at the start. So I had to, you know, it took a little while to get back into it. But then once I had the taste, you know, I, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't get, you know, couldn't get back into sobriety. And so I was out, you know, drinking and I wasn't really drinking every day, but when I was drinking, you know, when I drank, I just, it was way more excessive than it had been before. And maybe not in amounts, but just the, the consequence, uh, not even consequent, just the physical reaction, you know, passing out, like blacking out, you know, asleep, you know, pass out on the floor, like wake up on the floor every other day, um, so you must have been a bit of a liability to people around you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, look, yeah, liability, unreliable. Um, yeah, and just and and then as everyone around me knew me as sober, so then I had to lie about everything, you know. So then, so there's a whole other level of um, complexity. So stress goes up. Yeah, need more alcohol to relieve the stress, you know, and <laughs> and trying to work out ways to get sober. You know, and um, looking for an easier, softer way. Um, look, thinking I can do it in my head. Yeah, it was quite. Yeah, it was draining, and um, and I never n- n- didn't think I was an alcoholic or anything like that. But it's just, I just wanted to 
I just thought there was another way of getting sober. And I'm sure, like, there are other ways, but once I, when I did get back into Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I realized, geez, you know, it's taken me three and a half years to get back here. I could have, you know, walked back in the door anytime, you know. Um, yeah. And I guess you had, you knew plenty of people in AA as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a lot of friends in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, apart from, being alive still um yeah. that's, <laughs> that's and, a positive, and, and positive. Um, just yeah like there's lots of good people in AA uh, you make a lot of friends um and yeah I, I did miss my friends in my time out of Alcoholics Anonymous I, I, I did miss you know the people I hung out with people I'd you know nod my head to and to have a chat to or just people that you like to hear share their experience strength and hope and how they live their life in a in a in a decent way, people to look up to, you know, and things that you could, it's quite a, you know, it's quite a few amazing people that you hear, share and, and hear their, what they do in their lives that's, that's worth taking into your, you know. Yeah, some of the recovery stories are amazing, the turnaround, aren't they? It's just yeah. so awe-inspiring. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and yeah, you see some people, you know, if they've been sober a long time, you can't even fathom how they are the person they describe when they you kind of like it sounds like a made-up story because that person has no relationship in physically or in in your mind's eye about how that person could ever have been the other person they describe yeah um yeah it can make a big you know a can make a a massive change in someone even me like over those three and a half years once i got the the obsession for drinking you know sort of consumed me it was every day it was all I could think about was having another drink. And even the days when I didn't drink, I was consumed with thinking about a drink. And then now, now I'm not sober a long, I haven't been sober for a long time, but, um, you know, that left with left me within a few months for the, for the most part. So that sort of, that massive amount of energy that's put into, you know, thinking about drinking, dealing with hangovers, dealing with whatever, it's just, that's gone. You've got the rest of your life to deal with. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, and... I know in Alan they call it the weight off the shoulders. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, and so you don't have that heaviness weighing you down every day. Yep. You can start living, yeah. Yep. Um, so a lot of people think AA is hard work and forever, but is it? Um, it's not hard work. It's, I suppose you'd say it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, there's there's... There's a few, there's things to do, like, you know, if you're a person out there listening and you're having an, have an issue with with your drinking um, and if you want to stop, you know, come along day and find out. But, uh, I mean, I suppose the things to, would be to do is to come to a meeting, uh, find someone to speak to in the meeting, you know, put your hand out, hopefully they put their hand out and then... Um, and people will show you the way. But essentially, you know, there's a recovery program in Alcoholics Anonymous called the 12 Steps. And um, and then you'll f- you have, you know, it's suggested to find a sponsor and they will take you through that process. But it is simple but not easy. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I wouldn't call it hard work, but people make hard work of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, what was the other thing you asked? I've uh, probably forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It was yeah. so, yeah. Uh, no, and forever, yeah. Would, forever, well, yeah. Uh, things are only, it's only a problem forever if you don't want to do it. Yeah. That's I, a, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's kind of, 
What are your other options, I suppose? It depends which way you want to look at it. I mean, they, they say it's a day at a time and it is best not to get ahead of yourself. I, I struggled with that early in AA. It's like, oh my God, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. You know, being, but then it's like, well, what did alcohol actually do for me? Yeah, there was a, there was a, there's a bit of joy in the bottle, but it's so compared to all the stuff that comes with it. It's just so not worth it. Yeah, it has consequences, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what's it like now that you don't have the obsession to drink? Um, well, just, I mean, it's just life. Life on life terms. It's probably, a, yeah. you know, it's a saying you hear a lot. But it's, mm. you know, it's true. You've got to engage in the good and bad um, and, you know, with your eyes wide open. So... Um, but you've got the energy and the time and the capacity to do it. Without that obsession, um, life becomes so much easier. I mean, not, you know, it's it just that how I'm able to interact with it, how I'm able to, to front up every day and be, you know, where I say I'm going to be and be a man of your word. If you are not constantly thinking about how I'm going to get money for a drink, where I'm going to have my drink, how I can keep it from people knowing and yada 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 how am i going to get home wake up in time get rid of the the bottles well you know just it's a full-time job just being an alcoholic yeah <laughs> without <laughs> worrying about all that other stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> life uh they uh when we were chatting before you mentioned that you've also been to Al-Anon. so why did why did you go there um yeah look it was suggested to me because Al-Anon is for, you know, dealing with alcoholics, so it can be friends and family members. And if you're an AA member, then everyone, you know, you know, all, everyone in AA is an alcoholic and you have to deal with them. And it's just a way to, to deal with them, learn effective strategies. Uh, I found it quite confronting. Um, once you get into Alcoholics Anonymous, and once you've passed the first few months, most people are pretty chipper the mo- most of the time. They're pretty happy to have, you know, Things are improving, um, yeah. Oh, they're improving yeah. amazing yeah. amount. I mean, not everyone's flying, but everyone's in a lot better space. When you um, – so people are quite – there's a lot of laughter and a lot of smiles and things like that, which you'd probably be surprised about. But going to Al-Anon um, was quite confronting. People have got their family members still drinking, um, you know, their loved ones and stuff like that, and they're talking about that. And I suppose it was just exposure for me to how my – family and friends loved ones would have reacted to my drinking you know and the the continuous nature and the um how it really affects other people which you know well i speak for myself pretty pretty self-centered and selfish and so seeing that how people um how devastating alcohol and drug addiction and that sort of thing can be for the family members left behind was Probably slightly too confronting for me. It really did shock me. I did go a few times and then I thought I'd probably wait till I'm a bit healthier to go back in there because it was just, it was pretty, it's just really distressing to see these people struggling with something that I've managed to shake off and then, and I can see how you would, that would be distressing because, um, and how, why they would need help because, you know, an alcohol alcoholic in his cups as they say or you know yeah. on the on the source it's not a pleasant person to be around and all all manner of convincing argument just it's just meaningless 
when you yeah. were an alcoholic who wants to have a drink and there's a drink nearby that's the only thing that in their mind and all the other fluff is just just meaningless so um yeah it's 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 shocking actually how powerful you know addiction is you know how it just completely takes over people's lives so yeah you know i'm glad to be on in, in the place that i am you know really glad okay thanks uh, well, I think that's about all the time we've got for today. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Alcoholics Anonymous and how they can help, then you can phone them on one three hundred two 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 two, or go online at aa.org.au. Uh, that's all we've got time for today, so I'd like to thank Luke for coming into the 3CR studio and sharing his Alcoholics Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thanks. Thank you, David. Yeah, really appreciate being on here. And yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when I hope we'll be talking about recovery from drug addiction and be joined by some members of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to the Living Free program today. Why do you reckon people should subscribe to 3CR? Because I think we have more awesome music shows than anywhere else. And they're niche and they're interesting and they're adventurous. 3CR, the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. If you're on digital, no tram interference. But if you're streaming, there's no tram interference. That's true. But if you like That's tram, correct. interference is always the AM. The AM, old school. <laughs> oh, who oh. Like, you know, some people like the crack along vinyl. Well, yeah, some, some people like noise music. Experimental mm-hmm, noise music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. yes. Waged? 75 And solidarity? One pity. One pity. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 9419 and subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now.